Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. Hey, it's Bill Press. You know, we put out our daily podcast for you every day. And if you've been listening, you know that that daily podcast condenses the whole two-hour live show down to just 40 minutes, which is good. But that means we usually can only give you a small piece of each guest's interview. And some of the terrific content from those guests just gets left on the cutting room floor. Well, not anymore. Our new weekly podcast called Extended Play features a full, unedited interview with one of our favorite guests from the previous week. We're doing that because the Bill Press shows where top newsmakers start their day, and we want to make sure you can enjoy as much of that as possible. Extended Play starts right now. Uh, so pleased to welcome to the studio for the first time Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal from Washington's 7th Congressional District. And one of the most beautiful cities on the planet, city of Seattle. <laughs> I, Aren't I you totally lucky? I totally think so. I am lucky. You know, everyone says they represent the best district, but I actually do represent the best <laughs> district. <laughs> uh, and Seattle is booming. Washington it State is. booming. It is. It's doing really well. We. But um, let's face it. It's because you legalized pot. <laughs> that that could be a part of it. That that and a fifteen dollar minimum wage. What, what more do you need? You got money to buy the pot now too. Yeah, I, I, mean, I could live like that. Totally. You're setting the pace, Congresswoman, for the rest of the. Now what can I say? You know, we know the way forward. <laughs> On my bucket list is going to a Seahawks game. It it you know the Seahawks have been so hot for the last couple of years. Yeah. You should smoke and, weed and go to a Seahawks game, Bob. That's what you should you can do. Like, that there. sounds like a good week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> I tell you, we all have a lot of fun in Seattle. Uh, <laughs> um, so, what are the chances there's going to be a uh, health care bill by the end of the week? There's no chance there's going to be a health care bill by the end of the week. <laughs> you know, I I uh, I mean, it's 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 just clear they don't have a plan. They've had seven years to come up with a plan. They didn't have a plan. They tried to put something together too quickly. Not enough talking amongst their caucus. And the further to the right they went, the further they lost the moderates. Um, and it was a giant overreach, in my opinion, you know, to, to put forward a plan that cuts Medicaid by $880 billion, takes a trillion dollars and puts it into tax cuts for the wealthiest. It was a down payment on their tax reform plan or supposed to be a down payment on their tax reform plan. Um, but, you know, in the end, I think those Republican moderates couldn't go back to their districts and tell grandma that she was going to lose her nursing home <laughs> and tell, you know, the kid that they're not going to be able to get asthma inhalers or um, the people who are suffering from opioid abuse and, and other disorders that they weren't going to get treatment. It was just crazy. Um, I think they're going to have a problem coming up with a, a plan that actually does what they say they want to do, which is expand coverage and lower cost. 
I just don't think that they, you know, they never really thought through what happens when they're not the opposition party, even though they haven't been the opposition party for the last many years. They have mm-hmm. been in control of the House, but they've never taken the opportunity to pass something that really is going to make things better. And now we have a new normal where people, you know, it used to be that people didn't know what it meant to have pre-existing conditions covered. It, it used to be that people didn't know that maternity care really should be covered. But when they went away and said, we're going to take away the essential health benefit, which was the thing that made the, the Freedom mm-hmm. Caucus mm-hmm. members, well, yeah. it was supposed to make the Freedom Caucus right. members yeah. come on board. I think that really blew everything because how can you say you're going to sell insurance and not have a basic standard for what that insurance is going to cover? People expect to have maternity care covered. They expect to have hospitalization covered. And they expect now to have pre-existing conditions covered. So it's going to be tough for them to come up with something um, that's better. I think what's more likely is they'll, they will do everything they can to destroy the Affordable Care Act and the marketplace for the Affordable Care Act. And, and they've already got a, a case in court. Um, if they get the courts to go along with the idea that subsidies should not be mm-hmm. a part of this, it, no insurer is going to want to be in the marketplace. And, you know, even when they said, oh, the Congressional Budget Office doesn't know what they're talking about. They said you were going to cover $27 million and you only covered... The reason for that is because they went to court and sued around Medicaid expansion, and sure, all these states sure. didn't actually go through with Medicaid expansion. So. Yeah, and that's they called that phase two, uh, with where uh, Secretary Price would, by regulations, just sort of undo as much of Obamacare as yeah. they could. But you know what? What uh, was surprised uh, uh, Bob yesterday? Scott Wong, your uh-huh. crack congressional reporter, reporter. Uh, was here, great reporter. He was here with us. And he, he said as, as recently as the day before, Mark Meadows, head of the Freedom Caucus, was pretty confident that they were going to have a bill by the end of this week and vote on it before they left for recess. It's insane. It's they, didn't even, they never had anything even in print that they could read. No. I mean, when we track the votes on the Affordable Care Act, at one point, <laughs> um, we know all Republicans are going to vote no. And... So it was a matter of the Democrats who were defecting. Um, Nancy Pelosi and President Obama, at most, were two to three votes down, uh, especially on the pro-life Democrats. Then they struck a deal. And as you said, it went on for basically a, a year and a half. And Republicans were at least a dozen votes away here and had to flip. And mm-hmm. once you publicly say, I'm a no, getting to yes, you better get a, a good deal. So they weren't close. It's going to be very difficult to do. But... But they can't just give up. I would ask Congresswoman, I mean, did the Democrats even have to whip this? I mean, did they just say, you're not going to vote for this, right? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the easiest whipping job the Democrats have had in years. They, they did. You know, I have to say, as a new member and having seen how I do feel like sometimes Democrats just don't stick together in the same way that mm-hmm. Republicans do, I came in and I was nervous. But it was not, I, I don't think it was, it not, was not a twisting question arms. here. Right, right. I don't think yeah. there were any, you know, there was, there was no, no threats, uh, no <laughs> threats offered. And I do think that they're in a quandary, though. That if if they were going to get a deal, I would say it would have nothing to do with health care mm-hmm. and everything to do with the rest of their agenda, because they are looking like a, you know a majority that can't get a thing done, mm-hmm. and the president is looking like that. And so I think um, some of the Freedom Caucus members who are new members who I've gotten to know have said, you know, we were just saying, hey, let's just go along with this, you know, because we have other things we need to do. People will forget about this. I don't think people forget about getting sick and not having health insurance. I really think it may take a year. 
Um, but I don't think if they pass something that is worse than what we have, I do not think that pe- they will be forgiven at the polls. And and I think that's part of the reason why people recognize they couldn't vote for this thing. Right. Now, one of the most exciting new ideas to come out of the primary last year was from Bernie Sanders, whom I endorsed. Uh, for so did I, by the way. <laughs> there you, go. Uh, you two are going to get along really well. I think. This is four this is years of public college free for students in America. You and the senator now have introduced that legislation. We have. It was yeah. a, it was a great honor to work with him on it. It was one of my campaign pledges. It was one of the things I ran on. Um, look, I. Why is it so important? Here's why it's important. We used to be a country that invested in education, K-12 education, but also higher education. Just a few decades ago, City University of New York was providing free tuition. The University of California system, free tuition. We invested in the GI Bill. We sent millions of people to college who had never, who were the first in their families to go to college. We invested in Pell Grants, which used to cover 70% of a public university uh, education. We were first in the world for graduating people out of higher education. Today, we're 11th in the world. Today, 82% of students who go to public universities and colleges uh, are come out with student loans. And the loans range anywhere from 30000 to 100000 And so this is not a time anymore where a high school diploma is enough. We, we know that in this increasingly competitive world, you have to have that higher education. And it, it could be, it doesn't have to be a four-year, could be a two-year, could be trades, vocational opportunities. Um, and so th- what we're trying to do is say, you know what, we understand that it is not right that we say to kids, hey, go out there, study hard, you know, get an education. But they have to make the choice of whether they want to spend um, all this money and be $100,000 in debt at the end or $50,000 in debt with interest rates uh, on student loans that now we are we have $1.3 trillion in student loan debt. That's more than the credit card debt wow. that we have. Really? It yeah. is. It is. And, um, you know, when I started working on this during the campaign, well, actually, I worked on it during the state Senate. When I was in the state Senate, I had a bill to offer free community college mm-hmm. um, for everybody. Uh-huh. Incredibly popular. Didn't pe- you know? We put it out as a talking point, really. We knew it wasn't going to pass in the first year, and then I ended up coming to Congress. But um, what I heard from people is this despair. And honestly, I think it's part of what came through in the election. People know that their next generation is not even as well off as they were. And this issue of college debt is not just about young people anymore. It's also about parents and grandparents. The fastest growing segment of people that have college debt now is older people because they are taking on the debt of their kids and their grandkids. So this is Uh a really interesting phenomenon. But So what we're saying in this bill is... If we invest in higher education for our kids, um, for our young, for young people, for our next generation, that they will come back, be able to get better jobs, be able to take care of their families, and be able to contribute to their communities and the economy. I think, in the end, it's an economic boost because you have more people 
in jobs, earning more money, and ultimately contributing back. But it's also about respect and, and dignity. And, you know, if you're, if you're a lefty like me, you also believe it's the right thing to do. It's the moral yeah. thing to do. But it's also good for the economy. So our bill says let's incentivize states to invest again in higher education. What's happened is states have decreased their investments in higher education. By 2020, 2022, there are some states in the country that will no longer put any money into higher education. So our bill says let's create a federal-state partnership. Two-thirds of the dollars will be provided by the federal government and a third by the states. And that will allow for families earning up to $125,000. This was the compromise that was agreed upon in the Democratic platform Mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. Up to $125,000 will get free college tuition and and free fees. Um, And this would cover about 80% 80 to 82 percent of all of the young people who go to public universities and colleges. If you go to a community college, you're free no matter what income level you are. So that's one big part of the bill. Second part of the bill takes on the issue of uh, interest rates. It's ridiculous that the federal government is profiting from student loan debt. We're, We're making a lot of money off of this. So we're saying let's cut the interest rates in half. It should be affordable. If you do need to take on debt, it should be affordable. And if you're an existing borrower, which is you know so many people across the country, we right. will allow you to refinance your debt, your student loan debt, just like you do with a house, yeah. you know, a mortgage, right. whatever. So you're not locked your in. Your car, right. so you're not locked in, and you get to do it at that lower rate. We also triple the investments in TRIO and work-study programs because those targeted programs really help benefit first in the family to to go to college, low-income folks, folks of color, who we know are disproportionately burdened in our system right now. Very excited about the bill. It has gotten so much um, excitement across the country. The legislation is just the first piece. I'm an organizer my whole life. Um, So the next thing we're going to do is now start to organize around the country on college campuses and really start to put the pressure on people in, in Congress to support the bill on both sides of the aisle. This is not a partisan issue. Tennessee provided free community college through their Tennessee Promise. There's states across the country that recognize that we're not training people up. So, you know, we we can't have the workforce we need to have. This is What I think is so interesting about this is I think that Democrats have finally realized how to talk to people and explain to them that the government can help you. The government can work for you because there's been so it's been so long that, you know, Republicans are sort of like the government is broken. The government can't do this. Government can't do that. And like we're finally getting to point like you as a citizen deserve health care. The government can deliver that to you and not completely screw you over. You as a citizen deserve to go to college, get a higher education and also not have, you know, A yeah. giant loan that hangs over your head for your most of your adult life. Yeah, that these are things that only the government can do. Yeah, and I, I think, think that they, right. they, they, the voice is there now. It's really important and really exciting to see. The thing that bothered me during the primary about what the whole discussion of this uh, that every time uh, Bernie talked about it, we would hear from the Hillary people. Oh, you can't do this. We we can't do this. I said, "What do you mean we can't do this? We're Americans, right?" You know, and if we can, Bernie used to say that if we can fund K through twelve, why do we say 
that's as much as we can do, right? And just throw in the uh, towel. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a bread and butter issue because having uh, two kids in high school and another one who's younger, <laughs> we're going to have two kids in college. So, um, and it, honestly, about five to seven years ago, I, I was openly saying, I don't know why why the parties aren't talking about this yeah. issue because mm. everyone that I'm talking to and my friends and colleagues are talking about this issue. So it's something that certainly resonates where it affects everyday Americans, right. et cetera. The question, how yeah. do you pay for it? Yeah, so the way you pay for it, well, it's not in the bill. Okay. Um, this is a separate bill that was introduced by Keith Ellison. Mm -hmm. And it's essentially our proposal is that you pay for it through a small tax on Wall Street speculation. Mm -hmm. And that would definitely cover it. But I'll tell you something. You know, people always say, oh, you know, how do you, how do so you pay for it? So per transaction, is that it? Financial transactions Financial tax. Transaction. Correct. Right. Um, my belief is not is that you know if you look at our budget and you look at what the Republicans proposed a trillion dollars in tax cuts on health care, it's not that we aren't going to spend this money. We are going to spend the money. The question is how do we spend it? Do we spend it on tax cuts for the wealthiest, or do we spend it on education, which benefits everybody across the country? Um, and so our proposal is the financial transactions tax. There's all kinds of ways you could fund this. If you you know, I mean, you you look at the budget. There's many many places where you could make choices. And so to me, the real question when people say how do you fund it is what's your priority? If you have a priority to invest in education that is going to benefit everybody in this country, then we can find a way to fund it. The other thing I say to people is, it's not like we haven't done this before. I mean, we, we used to provide um, education, and we used to cover 70% of the costs of public education. So it was affordable. My husband... Um, you know, his dad died when he was six, and so he went to college on survivor benefits from Social Security. His brother moved all the way out to California so that he could get an education because there was no other way that they could get it at the time. So we have had this system in place where we have provided for people to go to college. We should be able to do it again. And um, not to mention that every other major developed country in the world provides public education. People are moving to other countries to get education now because it's so unaffordable in the United States. That's not how it should be. And it is the right thing to do, Bill. But it's also the reason that we got a lot of businesses on board with higher education investments in the state. You know, Washington State, when I was in the state Senate, was one of the states that actually put enough money into higher education uh, put enough more money into higher education that we dropped the cost of tuition by 5%. And that's not a lot, but it was something. And the reason we got that is because we are going to have a 60% gap in applicants capable of filling our jobs by the year 2020. We're not graduating enough people. And we're getting people from other states and from other countries to fill those jobs. We should be training Americans to do those jobs. We should be investing in our next generation. And this is what they're discovering really in back. Silicon Valley, right? I mean, with the, uh, yeah. what, the H-1B visas. H-1B visas, right? Yeah, no, there, and there are a lot of, uh, I was talking to uh, Governor McCullough from Virginia. They're, I mean, they're offering some some great starting jobs in tech and but they can't fill them, can't and now they're providing them. incentives so that they can fill them, and it's and and they're great jobs, especially coming out of college uh, if you're trained for them. Right, if you're yeah. trained for them, no, and that's true in the trades too. By the way, yeah. I mean it's yeah. tech, but it's also the reason there's support in in red America and rural America as well, <laughs> is because, look, 
we have an aging workforce. If we did ever do the smart thing and invest in infrastructure, uh -huh. um, we need a whole new generation of workers to fill those right. trades jobs. Yeah. That's right. something that's very popular in rural America. I just think it's one of the most exciting ideas, uh, most important ideas out there right now. So congratulations Thank to you. you for being in the leadership of this. Um, counting on you and Bernie to deliver. <laughs> We're working we'll, on it. <laughs> we'll do whatever we can. All right, now I want to take a wild ass guess. Um, you're a freshman member of Congress, and you look around at some of the various caucuses or groups that you might want to join. How? Why do I feel that you might have joined the Progressive Caucus? <laughs> wow, you are you are brilliant, uh, insightful, huh? Don't you think? All right. Very proud so, to be a, a vice chair of the Progressive Caucus. Uh, yep. And what? Are, you know, how's the Progressive Caucus deal with a Trump administration? Well, I think we're at uh, the... And you, and if I might, mm -hmm. you know, and what guidance can you provide other progressives around the country? I think one of the things that unites progressives is that we do understand the importance of organizing. It's not just about our worldview, which is there, but it's also about our belief that engaging people in our democracy is the way we ultimately win on our vision. So um, I think, you know, the Progressive Caucus, Keith Ellison, dear friend, um, you know, I think that what we are trying to do is be the, the, the tip of the spear of the resistance, if you will, and, you know, really allow for people to engage with government and with legislation in a way that amplifies both voices, inside and outside. I spent 18 years as an organizer, built the largest immigrant advocacy organization in Washington State, one of the largest in the country. And what I always felt is that the country is usually far ahead of Congress and far mm -hmm. ahead of elected officials. So what we have to do is build a presence that is deep enough and strong enough in districts across the state, across the country, that when you have a, a progressive idea, whether it's free college or whether it's, you know, single payer health care, which I am, I've been a big fan of for a long time, um, that we have to build the voice at the grassroots. And that is one of the most exciting things right now. It's why the Progressive Caucus is relevant, I think, in this moment because we understand that we have to organize across the country. And that's what's happening. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't win health care because we in Congress, progressives necessarily were the ones who stood up and said no health care. No, we won because we were able to build the momentum across the country where people were, are outraged at the result of the election. They've woken up as depressing as I feel some days, uh, as depressed as I feel some days, I feel very hopeful because for the first time in a long time, I feel like people are truly awake and understand why government is important and why their voice and their participation matters. So that's the role of the Progressive Caucus. Put out the strong ideas, you know, walk the line between making sure that we preserve what we have and we don't take a backslide. So that means a lot of defense. But the college bill, the free college bill, when I met with Bernie, I said, let's do something. Let's do a like, let's do something forward looking, right? Because we can't mm -hmm. just always be in defense, defense, defense. Let's put some ideas out that are about our vision to move forward. So he's also going to be introducing a more detailed Medicare for all bill soon. Um, and, you know, we'll continue to kind of build the voice for what we believe this country can be. I came here as a as an yeah. immigrant when I was 16 by myself, you know, and, and uh, now to be in Congress and to see the opportunity that I had, it's why I've devoted my life to figuring out how other people have opportunity. Bob, the 
Jim Dean was in a little bit earlier mm-hmm. from Democracy for America. Uh, it is, we've seen such a resurgence of grassroots uh, activism. And I mean, Democracy for America, the Bernie's organization, Our Revolution, MoveOn.org is still strong. We mentioned, you know, Indivisible, the right. Town Hall Project. I mean, yeah. there, there's a resurgence of political activism on there, the left. That, there is, and we have not seen it in a long time. And, and that's I, the big question that, that our publication and, and others are, are watching is, you know, it's been over 10 years since Democrats really showed up in a midterm election. Uh, in 2010, yeah. Republicans, through the Tea Party movement, won the House. 2014, they won the Senate. Um, Congresswoman, do you think they're the... the, the you the know. base is going to show up? I really do. And you can see it with Ossoff's election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a big race. You know, I think that's a big, big race. race in Georgia. I know we're we're taking our entire base because we had so many volunteers on our campaign. We're having call-ins right. to that race. We're um, going to have to leave it there with that right. moment of hope. So it's good, so good to have you where you are, Congressman. Thanks Thank so, you much. so much. Uh, and thanks for coming in this morning as Thank well. You both. All right, we'll be Thank following uh, that legislation with a lot of interest. And Bob Cusack, great to see you. TheHill.com. Come on back and see us tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.